Thank you, brothers. Good morning. Moves your soul, doesn't it? What were you thinking of when you were listening to those children and watching them? You know, it takes me back. I was once that old. (laughs) Or that young. (laughs) And you know, I didn't grow up going to church, so I didn't have the benefit of hearing the truth of the Word of God and seeing how it applies even to a child. You're here this morning, and I don't know what background you have, how you were raised. But, you know, you can't get to my age without having a certain amount of baggage. That's what they like to call it, baggage. I wonder what difficulties you've gone through in life. I wonder what struggles you've had. I wonder how you've dealt with those and how perhaps they've left scars on your heart. Perhaps your life is littered with broken relationships what some in the world would call failures, disappointments, lost loved ones. I know you've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. But the truth of what these kids endures till today, and I want to tell you this morning, God loves you. He really does love you. And he wants you to know that love. And perhaps you do and perhaps you don't. You can't know the love of God without meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, without having a personal encounter with Him, without realizing that He loved you so much He died on the cross for you. And that's a, that's a pretty powerful truth that I deserve the wrath of God because of my sins, that I deserve to go to hell We like to talk about the love of God, but we don't often like to talk about the righteousness of God that demands justice. And it's marvelous how His love found a way to satisfy that justice and express itself toward me by offering me eternal life. Forgiveness of my sins is a free gift. And that's what He wants for you if you don't know Him. He wants you to know the love of God. He wants you to know Him. And so part of our passage this morning is going to talk about, matter of fact, all of it is going to talk about uh, the struggle that goes on in the world today over your soul and over the souls that don't yet know the love of God. And there is an enemy of God, Satan. He's already lost the battle, but he does the best he can to restrict the message, to prevent people from understanding and knowing the love of God. And so we want to talk about that a little bit today because that's where our passage falls. I'm going to read the passage. I'm not going to promise to make it to the end of the passage. Those of you that know me are probably glad. Man, I'm glad he finally came out and said that. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, I'm capable of teaching, but that's not my strength. I believe my strength's in exhortation. So when I see a passage and I see a message, I see God wants me... To get the message across. And sometimes if I cover every passage, it's informational. And I understand in my Christian life that were I, if were I to practice one-tenth of the information that I have about the Word of God, man, I'd be in a lot better shape than I am today. And oftentimes, you know, we, 
concentrate on more information rather than what these kids were trying to do up here. Well, how, do, how does it come into practice? How does it, how does it become real? And so I hope that as we go through this passage, it might become real to you. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 24. We'll start in verse 10. I'll just read through the whole passage just in case we don't get it. At least I've read it, right? <laughs> Finally, be strong. Now, it's talking to Christians, realize. There's a difference between Christians and non-Christians. So if, you're, if you don't know the Lord, if you haven't had that personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ where He's convinced you that you need Him, that you need His saving work on the cross for your life, and you need the forgiveness of God, if you haven't come to that place in your life, don't read yourself into this passage. Okay? These are for those that know him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore... Take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. Having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Then in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. The gospel, that's the good news, that Jesus Christ died for you, that salvation is a free gift. There's a lot of misconceptions out there, and the enemy uh, is the master deceiver. So if you're here this morning, you have ideas about God that may not be founded on the Word of God or on truth, just something that you've gathered along the way, and if it's error, it came from Satan, the master deceiver. So we want to think about that. When a person becomes a Christian, when a person accepts the Lord Jesus Christ, when he's met the Savior, his sins are forgiven. Because the work on the cross that Jesus did, God gives that as a free gift to the believer. Salvation. My sins are paid for. I knew the moment I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ that I was going to heaven, that I was forgiven. Because I had it crystal clear in my mind that it was all of what he did, none of what I did. And so to say that I wasn't going to go into heaven at that moment was to say, he didn't do it right. <laughs> and I know that's not true because he's God. Salvation, a free gift. So when a person has salvation, they have forgiveness of their sins, they know they're going to heaven... God's a God of love. Why is it that there continue, continues to be conflict, continues to be difficulties? And that's because there's a war that rages. 
and that's over the souls of men. Bill McDonald put it well, and I, I like how Bill puts it. Um, when a person thinks that becoming a Christian, oh, it's going to be a life of ease, better roses. It's going to be wonderful. There's some misconceptions there, too. He puts, every true child of God soon learns that the Christian life is a warfare. The host of Satan are committed to hinder and obstruct the work of Christ and to knock the individual soldier out of combat. The more effective a believer is for the Lord, the more he will experience the savage attacks of the enemy. The devil does not waste his ammunition on nominal Christians. In our own strength, we are no match for the devil. So the first preparatory command is that we should be continually strengthened in the Lord and in the boundless resources of His might. God's best soldiers are those who who are conscious of their own weakness and ineffectiveness and who solely rely on Him. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Our weakness commends itself to the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself. If you're a Christian, we're no mats for Satan. But if we're strong in the Lord, because we know the Lord, that's, that's where we find true victory. And the strength of His might. He's the one that we need to look, at, look to. And He's equipped us. We're going to see the equipment that He's given us here. It's fantastic. Ruth Paxson writes, God has no place for a spiritual pacifist. I think we mentioned that last week, a spiritual pacifist. You, you can't be a spiritual pacifist. Every Christian is conscripted for both defense and aggressive warfare. He calls every saint to arms. And we can see why, too. Because everyone that's born into this world is born in sin and needs a Savior. I can remember when I came to know the Lord, the first thing I wanted to do is tell the people nearest to me. I lived with my mom at the time. My dad died when I was younger. I lived with my sister. I was excited to share it with them. They needed to hear that. But more important, through the years, they needed to see it lived out in my life. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge. There's a battle that rages. And that battle is to keep Christ from shining through your life that others might see Christ. And so we want to think seriously about this. Each one of us, as a Christian, we have weaknesses. We have places that are uh, unprotected by the armor. And we've got to figure out what those places are. There's a battle that rages in the individual's life, your life, individually, that nobody is aware of but God. It happens in your heart. It has to do with your own struggles, your own perception, perhaps, of what other people think of you. Um, weaknesses and tendencies of sin that you have that are unique to you. You know what they are. I know what mine are, and some people that know me well know what mine are too, but they don't know all of them. You know, if, if, if people knew the half of it, the struggle that rages within. And there's only one way to combat and have victory, and that's with the armor that God gives us. And so we want to think about that. And the, to the degree that we have victory in our personal life is to the same degree that people are going to see Christ in our lives, you know. It's neat seeing these kids act out, you know, about love. They go home and their parents see what they're really like. 
And I'm a parent, so I, I'm, not, I'm not disparaging any of the kids up here. You know, I know they, they're darlings, and we love to see them, but they're sinners just like we are. And when one child fights with the other, and you have to tear them apart and separate them and teach them what the love of God means, it's, it's a battle. It says that uh, in 1 John 5, 9, we know that we are of God. Now, it's talking about Christians. And the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And it's talking about Satan. It says the whole world lies in his power. But Jesus said in John 16, 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage. I have overcome the world. So, yes, there is tribulation in the world. And, yes, there's a battle raging on. question is what you might ask, well, why? If he's already won the victory, why is it that we have this struggle and this battle? Well, I think the key is, and remember I, I mentioned last week, I believe that the sole purpose of a person that accepts the Lord Jesus Christ to be here on earth is to sh- spread the gospel. Spread the good news that others can have salvation as a free gift as well. God has ordained that it's through the agency of man, that men and women are going to hear the gospel. He didn't give that charge to angels. He didn't write it across the sky. He gave it to us to share the message. And it's interesting. I think one reason why we have the battle is how God's created us. He's created you and I with a free will. I mentioned that last week. And he will honor your decision even to reject him. Even though he loves you, even though he knows what it is to reject him and what it is to accept him. And he wants the best for your life. He will not coerce you into accepting him. There won't be anybody going to heaven kicking and screaming that doesn't want to go. It's just that simple. And I respect that too. If someone shows, hey, I'm not interested, that's fine. You know, I'm sad for that person. And I'm praying that one day they will be at the place in their life where they're ready to hear what God's really like and what God really has for their life. But I'll respect that. Because if I push, they're going to have wrong ideas about God. They're going to think, wow, that's a pushy God. He's not. He loves you. And he wants to bring you to himself so that you can experience true and lasting and eternal joy. But it's up to you. And so Satan's in the world trying to keep you from that point. He does it through, de- through deceit, and, there's a, and he's organized. It talks about in this passage that, uh, or the, uh, that he's got the schemes of the devil. The word there has to, do, has to do with a Greek word that starts with an M. We get our word uh, methodology or method from. He's got strategies and methods, and they're very complex. But you can see it in the organized religions of the world that teach false doctrine. They attract thousands. If you want to be religious, Satan, Satan says, I got a religion for you. What do you like? What don't you like? I got one that'll just be tailor-made for you. Only one problem he won't tell you. God's not in it. No, God's not in it. And you won't find salvation for your soul in those religions. And that's Satan's strategy is keep you from salvation, keep you from knowing him. And so because he honors your free will, there's a battle. And we have, as Christians, are the soldiers. So we are also the object of his attack. And how can he attack the Christian and keep him from sharing the message? You ever think about that? 
Well, certainly if you don't know God, you can't tell people about God. Right? But it has to do sometimes with your weakness. If you're a shy person, why is a person shy? Perhaps fear of rejection. Can God make a shy person bold? Sure he can. But he won't do it against your will. (laughs) He wants you to long for his active work in your life so that he can make you a useful tool in his hand. And I want to tell you, it's exciting to be a useful tool in his hands. It's very exciting. So there's fears that have to be overcome. Fears are a weakness. How can a person have fear when we think of the love of God and what he's done for us? He's given us all the power we need to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish. And he sets us out and he arms us and and gives us armor that's effective. And he says, okay, now you got to put it on. Now you got to use it. Now go out and practice. Put it into practice. And so sometimes I might be the type of person that I'm lazy. Laziness will keep me from that and will keep people from hearing the word of God. Or, uh, you know, and Satan has all these tools in his arsenal. Distractions. Distractions is a big hindrance to the spread of the gospel. It's a big hindrance in our lives. Distracted away from what's really important. I want to commend everybody that's here this morning. Because there's something in you that recognizes that this is important being here. This is important to listen to. Not me. Could be anybody. But this is what you need to hear in the word of God. If you're a Christian, this is what strengthens you, fortifies you, protects you. It's getting in here and putting this in here and watching it be worked out. If you don't know the Lord, here's the message that's going to change your life. Do you want your life changed? Are you tired of all the experiences of the past where there wasn't any lasting joy? Where there wasn't any true love in your life? I come here... And I know I'm more loved here than I am anywhere else in the world because people love God here. And you can't love God without loving God's family. So I have a family. Perhaps you don't have a family. There's one waiting for you, the family of God, and he invites you in. So there's a battle raging on, and Satan's the big deceiver, and he wants to convince everybody that God just wants to take away your joy, that God wants to control your life, that God wants you to make... wants you to make you do things that you can't do or you don't have the power to do. They're all lies. They're all lies. Satan also offers uh, temporary pleasures of this world to keep people from a lasting pleasure and joy of knowing God. So there's a lot of vices in this world that Satan is responsible for. And it's not until you're freed up from those vices that the Lord frees you that you're truly free. He says in the scriptures, put on the armor of God. Put it on. He knows the dangers that surround us. He's equipped us. He's given us the equipment. And and I train people in safety. And so I know what the laws say about employers providing what the employee needs to be safe. But my mind goes to something simple like a gas mask. Gas mask. We all heard of gas mask, right? Well... The imperative word here, put on the armor of God, put on. I understand it better in Portuguese than I do in English, but I'll I'll help you understand what the imperative is if you're not an English major, which I'm not. So I had to learn this. Imperative. Um, There's different verb conjugations 
In Portuguese, there's six. It's the first person and second person. And then there's uh, singular and plural, formal. So it, it, it's sort of like this. We, we blend it all together. I eat, you eat, he eats. We eat, they eat, you all eat. Or you all eat, then they eat, one or the other. Well, in Portuguese, they're all different words. They're the same verb root, but they have different endings. So you don't have to say, I, I eat. You can just say the verb, eat. But the way the ending is, everybody knows you're talking about yourself. Well, you change the ending, and it's eat, like a parent telling, eat a child, eat. Get the difference? It's imperative. It's a command. Eat, you know? So God's given us armor, and he's saying, put it on. It's like that gas mask. Gas mask on. That's a command. It's not a suggestion. And that's because there's a very real danger. If you don't have that on, you're going to succumb to the chemicals that you're exposed to. So he's saying, put it on. So he gives it to us, but he gives us charge, put it on. What are we doing when we're putting it on? There's a very precious verse in Scripture. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. This is what I like. If you don't know God, it says, for he who comes to God must first believe that he is, and then believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So if you don't know God, to come to God, you've got to believe, one, that he exists, which is obvious if you look around. But you also have to believe that he's a rewarder of those that seek him. And if you want that reward, you'll seek God. So when we put on the when we, when gas mask on, we put that on, we, we're saying, I believe. Whoever's telling me to put it on, I believe there's a real danger and this is going to protect me. So that's the armor of God. When he says put it on, you're, you're showing faith in what he's saying. And you're not relying on your own strength. You're relying on what he's given you. So, so it's very important. Um, we have a slide up here. And um, I'm trying to find the right one. The full armor of God. One of the most important ways is to hide God. Let's see, how, how do you put the armor of God on? And, of course, one of the most important things is put it in your heart, right? So we got, like, Psalm 119. Up there, there it is. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. So one way, how do you put on the armor of God? Well, one thing, you have to know the word of God. You have to know God. You have to know what's available to you. You have to know the word of God. So I, you know, I think we don't, maybe we don't understand just how important it is what these children were doing up here this morning. That's, that's how you put the Word of God in your heart. First of all, you memorize it. Second of all, you find out, well, practically, how does it work out? And that's what they were acting out here. It's no different for adults. No different. You have to um, put the Word in your, of God in your heart as if your very life depended on it, like that gas mask. You know, there's an interesting story, an illustration. Um, when Allied forces, after World War II, they were mopping up against remaining Nazi resistance in Berlin. You know, Berlin's a big metropolis, right? One particular unit was assigned a crucial mission in Berlin. Each soldier had to memorize a map detailing all of Berlin's important military sites. They had to do it in a single night in just a few hours. All the military sites, the enemy's military sites in Berlin in a single night. Each soldier in the unit had committed the map to memory, each one of them. The mission was a success. 
Several years later, the army conducted an experiment to see if the original feat could be duplicated. They offered a similar unit an extra week's furlough, an attractive incentive if they could carry out a comparable mission without a hitch. But the second unit could not match the success of the first. What made the difference? Their lives weren't dependent on it. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. The children up here, no doubt, I mean, we try to reward them. I mean, that's the practice here at Calvary, reward someone for memorizing the Word of God. But we see here from this illustration, this test, that people won't do for a reward what they'll do to save their lives. Right? So how, how, many, how many times when we, read the God, do we realize, when we read the Word of God do we realize my life depends on me knowing the Word of God? Me putting the word of God in my heart. I have to confess, oftentimes I fail in that. Christians are engaged in spiritual warfare. Our roadmap, our plan of strategy against Satan's military strongholds is the word of God. We need to know the word of God. The only way someone comes to know the Lord is through the word of God. The only way a Christian has victory over the enemy is through the word of God. It's so important... So, do I have a picture of that Alaskan moose up there? <laughs> I like these things, these pictures that remind me of spiritual truths. Okay, so you have Alaskan moose up here. If you know about Alaskan moose, their spread of their antlers are getting wider than I can reach with my hands. They're huge animals. And so what they do around mating season is they fight for the right to mate. And they fight even to the point of breaking off the antlers of another moose. I mean, they break them off. They recently, not recently, I think without, in the last couple of years, I have a picture where they found two magnificent specimens that had just died like days before. They locked horns and they couldn't get them apart. And they died there. So really, it's, it very oftentimes could be a battle to the death. So, and it happens about in the fall. So where does the moose, what, uh, what can he attribute his victory to? It starts way back in the spring. You see, how big the moose gets, how strong his antlers are, all depends on his diet and how much he eats during the springtime. If he eats a good diet, if he eats a lot, he might have a couple hundred pounds advantage over his adversary and his horns be stronger and denser. That's like the Christian. If you wait to the battle to pull out the word of God, it's too late. We have to put the word of God in our hearts starting here, starting where we're at now, because I might have a battle come next spring, but I'm going to want to have the strength of the word of God in my heart. So it happens ahead of time. Moose lost the battle because he didn't eat as much as the other one in the springtime. This is fall. Okay, so I call it the lesson of the Alaskan bull moose. Okay, we need to be like the winner there. Putting the word of God in our heart, that's important. The full armor of God. The full armor of God. What does that say to you? Leave no part unprotected. He gives us the full, uh, a full protection. The armor is complete. God doesn't give things that aren't complete. 
If you're missing a part of that armor or there's a chink in the armor, that might very well do you in. And uh, I, I think of the uh, illustration of Achilles' heel. Everybody's heard of Achilles' heel? Do you know anything about it? I didn't. I mean, I've heard of it, but I, you know, what's that about? And it comes from Greek mythology. And uh, let me read you a story. The, the ancient Greeks told a story of a warrior named Achilles. His mother had been warned that he would die of a wound. So she dipped him as an infant in a river, and I can't pronounce the name. S-T-Y-X, sort of like stinks. So she dipped him in there. And that was supposed to make him invincible. But she held him in there by one, by one heel. So the protective water didn't cover that heel. And that was his vulnerability, and that's how he perished. That's how he died. So you have the expression, what's your Achilles heel? What's your unprotected part? What's your weakness in your life? What are the weaknesses? We all have them. Sometimes they're similar to others, but a lot of times they're a lot different. Sometimes they're inherited. I see some of the weaknesses in my father that were passed down to me that were passed down to my son. Strengths as well, but not in a spiritual sense. What's your weakness? You know, it could do you in. It could do you in. There's really two aspects of this warfare. It's not just singular against you, but corporate too against the body here. Do you know that Satan attacks churches? And he usually does it from within, not from without. And that's because there's weaknesses in individuals' lives. There's a lack of perception of those weaknesses. The armor is not put on. And it's getting on in time, so I'm not going to go through the full armor, but one piece of armor I'd really like to show you, and that is the shield. The shield. And tell you what kind of shield it's talking about. Because it does t t talk about a shield here. Let's see, where is it in the verse here? The shield of faith with which, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So it's faith that really protects us from the flaming darts of the evil one. And those darts can come in many shapes and forms. In, in the, the time that it was talking about, one method of their fighting was they would have arrows, they would dip in something flammable, and when they shot them, they would be flaming arrows. And so they used to have like wooden shields, so a stick in a wooden shield, and it could catch fire. So what they used to do is cover it with leather. Before they go into battle, they'd soak the leather in water. And so when the shield caught a flaming arrow, it would extinguish the arrow. And of course, it would protect the soldier. But they have to have the right kind of shield. So we got a round shield up there. This is not the shield it's talking about. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have movies today where these guys can move these shields so fast they catch a bullet or an arrow, but that's not really reality, right? Okay, so this is not the one. The other shield, the broad shield, is something you can hide behind. Some of them were so big, warriors would have armor bearers where he'd come up and move that and then they and then the warrior can hide behind it. But you carry this shield, and of course you can hide behind it so nothing can get at you. Well, almost nothing. You got one with three there, three? Okay, so remember we talked about individual protection, individual fighting, individual attacks on the individual. Well, there's attacks on, you know, the church. And when you have unity, like-mindedness, 
of men that know the Word of God and know the armor of God and know how to use it, this is what you have. A locking of shields, shields of faith. Do you think an arrow can get in there? There's only one way an arrow can get in there, from behind. From behind. You know? We have this term, friendly fire. Well, Satan sometimes uses others, you know, in our midst <laughs> to shoot those arrows, you know, over the top. Still vulnerable, but from a head-on up front, pretty difficult to get through, right? So what, what, what does unity mean for a corporate body like a church? We have one, um, it's called, a, a, there's a name for it. it. It has to do with the Greek word for, a Greek or Latin word for a turtle. And you can see why, or tortoise. You see, these men are totally protected. They have the lookouts. They're exposed, their feet are exposed. When they see the arrows are launched, they give a command and they hunker down and everything's behind the shields. You can't get in from front, you can't get in from top, and if you want to, you can protect the rear. That's what the Bible's talking about when it talks about unity against the enemy. Unity. There's strength in numbers when people are united and they don the armor of God together. They're in it together. They have to move together. If they don't move together, guess what? They're vulnerable. If you have a group that wants to, well, let's do, I think we should go this way, and somebody says, I think we should go this way, what do you have? Vulnerability. There has to be unity. And so the shield of faith, faith because we believe what God says. And we should be all united on one purpose. That purpose is reaching the lost. So if there's any differences that we have among us because of our weaknesses or our tendencies, what these kids said was true. Love. God's got to love. Love covers a multitude of sin. And we individually and we as a body need to work at reaching the lost of not letting Satan have the victory because we have no one to blame but ourselves because God says, God says put on the armor. Put it on. Use it. Fight together. So if you're a Christian here this morning, this uh, study has done one thing for me. It's caused me to commit myself, no matter what, I want to wear that armor. No matter what, I don't want to be used of Satan for any kind of divisiveness, any lack of love, anything. I want to find out what my weak parts are, and I want to protect them. I don't want to be vulnerable. And you know that? I want that for the church too and so do the other elders. We don't want to be vulnerable. We need to be united. And God wants us to be. So let's pray. Lord, we do come before you and we thank you that you are our Lord. You are our Savior. Lord, you are the victor. You won the battle. And Lord, you've left us here to fight battles that you've given us the victory in. You've given us protection against. You've given us the armor. You've given us uh, fellow soldiers. Lord, we just pray that you would help us to concentrate on getting your word out, on getting the gospel out, Lord, and strengthen us. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.